bit. You already know what it is. It is the self-medicated podcast for Monday, November 16th. We literally just <laughs> talked about this. Uh, Monday, November 16th. Uh, I am your host, as always, the Wayfarer here with the captain of the igloo. Let's go ahead and knock out our housekeeping before we get into this week's episode. Uh, make sure you go follow us on Instagram at the self pod. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening to this at literally anywhere. Uh, Apple Music, Spotify Music, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Alexa, uh, and coming to a YouTube near you very, very soon. There very, we very go. Soon. Like literally next week. Actually, when you see this within hours, the yeah. video will be coming out. Put the pressure on this brother, too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Of course. <laughs> um, yes. So that. Yeah, make sure you're listening, uh, leave a review, subscribe wherever you're listening to this, and tell a friend about it, too. Um, yeah, make sure you, you share the clips with your people. I'm sure there's something we mm. talk about that they may be interested in. Um, all right, and then uh, make sure you check out our over-the-counter episodes. Those are every Friday. Those are the episodes we engage with our listeners, picking topics directly from y'all, giving out advice, um, and letting y'all join in on the show. So y'all can call in if you need to stay anonymous, um, any of that. Just slide in the DMs and we can work it out for you. As a reminder, we do not record those live. We make sure that we find a time and pre-record those so that we can do what we need to do with that. So, um, yeah, slide in the DMs if you're trying to be a part of the -the over-the-counter episodes on every Friday. Uh, Last but not least, our organic shout-out. This one was a good one. Uh, I like this organic shout-out. This week's organic shout-out goes to the Puff Chronicles podcast. Mm. Uh, Puff Chron on IG, P-U-F-F-C-H-R-O-N on Instagram. So it's hosted by Jessica and Jasmine. Um, this podcast is filled with J team. Yeah. J team. That was, that was one of the things that stood out. Uh, but it's filled with the most recent pop culture, uh, pop culture, tea, political commentary and laughter. Um, they also on their website have a bunch of dope wines. Um, so they're doing like reviews and and putting different wines on. So they're dope. So make sure y'all go check them out. Uh, at Puff Crime, go follow Jessica and Jasmine as well. Make sure you sell them that the self-medicated podcast sent you. Um, I'm trying to think. Any any other housekeeper items? We got any live shows coming? Up? <laughs> yeah, we got a bunch of live shows in 2021. Going on, on tour, lookout. baby. Yeah, <clears throat> Corona tour. Right. <laughs> first stop, Houston. Very first stop, Houston. We on the way. I might just never mind. We should just go to Houston. Yeah, I could go to Houston, man. Yeah, we should. We should just. Um, there's this place called Turkey that. Leg Hut. I've never been. I always see it on the internet. That's my, like, public excuse to, like, yeah, I want to go to Houston. Try that place. Yeah, that's exactly why you want to go to Houston. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, All right, let's get into the show, man. Oh, yeah. Hear ye, hear ye. It's the Self-Medicated Podcast for Monday, November 16th. I am your host, The Wayfair, a.k.a. Quentin Quarantino, a.k.a. The Banter Boss, a.k.a. Jon Snow, because I know absolutely nothing. You know nothing, Jon Snow. And these are facts. Here, as always, with the captain of the igloo, young, popular, and friendly, a.k.a. The Box Hunter, <laughs> a.k.a. One Pop Poppy, a.k.a. The Bottom Feeder. Um, what's up with that new nickname, man? You still ain't. Oh, I'm saving it for the top of the year, brother. Uh, I want, I want you to go into the new year with the new name, 
You know what I'm saying? New year, new me. New year, new me. New, new name, new, new me. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'll stay with Jon Snow for now. <laughs> um, and that other one is going to be kind of long, so. Is it? Yeah, you might have to go. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. So since I do the intros, does that mean that I get, like, discretion over how much of that I get to actually approve? Or are you going to, like, edit in your own? <laughs> I feel like you, you already <laughs> get enough post. creating your own goddamn AKAs. I think you, you know. You're good. You know plenty. That is plenty. How's your week been, man? What you been up to? It's been good, man. Got that flu shot. Oh, did you? I did. So you're about to be sick any minute now. Nah, I feel like you get sick. I got it on Tuesday, so I feel like if I would have no, been sick, I would have been sick right. by now. Yeah. So, you know, so I'm out here flu free, COVID free. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm feeling great. Um weather's getting cold, which, you know, works for me. Um so I'm feeling good about this the past week, man. How about yourself? I am not a cold weather fan. <laughs> uh, I just don't like it. It makes me upset. I have uh, makes me upset. Yeah, we have a dog. We got Nola. So anytime I have to walk her and like just the fact of putting on so many layers of clothes, like just to feel like going outside is a chore. That's what I don't like. I don't like that shit. In the summertime, it's cool because like I could literally. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. Just get up, go outside, walk. You know what I'm saying? Walk mm-hmm. the dog. It's just in and out. But now it's like, damn, I got to check the weather report. If it's in the 30s, I mean, I need to put a hoodie mm-hmm. on and my coat. Right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's extra shit. Because depending on how long I got to walk the dog, it, it really True. honestly just depends. Uh, but I'm not a fan of the cold weather. Last week I was in heaven when it was unseasonably warm for November. <laughs> uh, but now it's just uh, we back to November. I still think we're going to get like a mild winter, though. Probably, yeah. I'm praying. I'm praying that we yeah. get a mild winter. Uh, wedding planning stuff is moving along. Um, made some wardrobe decisions mm. uh, for the groomsmen and bridesmaids, so that's cool. Uh, save the dates should be coming soon. I meant to bring you one just so you could see it. All right, check it out. Did you um, Have you seen the suit compositions together? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so you just go in and pick out what you want and... So when you go in, you're gonna get uh, fitted. No, I mean like when you originally went in, do they give you like a magazine or a catalog and you just kind of pick? Oh yeah, Whitney did that. Ah, okay. You didn't go with her? Nope. So you just gonna let a woman? No, I'm <laughs> well, so uh, let's see how. <laughs> do we see, do that's that? conf- like because I know in the past you've mentioned wanting to like have input into picking certain things. I'm surprised that wasn't something you decided to do for yourself. I'm surprised you relinquished that or um, allow her to pick on that one. That's interesting to me. You know, so we talked, we we had, uh, so I think <laughs> I've been talked about, we've been going to uh, like couples therapy. Okay. And, um, freak. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that we talked about in therapy was kind of this concept of this wedding and getting total understanding of what it is and why we're doing it. Mm. And I think that um, it was super helpful conversation for her, but it was also helpful for me to, like, kind of remember why I'm doing this. Okay. And that also helps me relinquish a lot of control around shit because I, like, truly and honestly, when it comes down to what I care about, I don't. Right? Hmm. And so for me to, like, have these really strong opinions or, like, want mm-hmm. to even control something or have the final say in something is kind of 
it's kind of just me grasping for control in the thing that I'm just not making a lot of decisions in. Ah. And when it comes down to it, it's like none of these decisions, I don't feel a way about any decision right. either way that it's made. So like that mm. was something that I had to realize is like, you don't like you can um, just to have a say, to have a say sake is not productive or helpful mm. to the process. Sounds like yeah. therapy didn't go your way this time. <laughs> um, I would say it actually did go my way because right. it actually helped make my points, right? Because like some things I don't, we don't, it don't have to be no two, three, four week long discussion about like, right? it could just be like, hey, what do you think of this? It's cool. I don't care. I don't like it. And just move forward, right? Like it don't have to be this, yeah. um, this complicated thing. So with the, so with the, um, with the clothes, also, honestly speaking, that that was going to be pretty much I wasn't going to be able to control what it was <laughs> anyway. Uh, my original plan was to have all my groomsmen within the color scheme decide if they wanted to do like a vest or mm. suspenders or the jacket. Right. Like to be within yeah. the ensemble, but maybe let everybody choose which ensemble they wanted. There's no vest, right? There is a vest. Oh, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a vest. I never wore a vest before. Well, I have I haven't worn a vest since I was a child. I'll say that I have worn yeah. it before. It's um, hmm. okay. so yeah, um, yeah, and then also I'm glad you said that. Any complaints? I'm just gonna send them uh, Whitney's way. Yeah, straight to her. She has a she has an Instagram. You got her phone number. I like fucking her sometimes. Yeah, it's so hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's honestly funny. But yeah, other than that, everything was cool. I had a pretty lightweight work week. <laughs> that worked. The alliteration. Lightweight work week. Almost a tongue twister. Are you working? I thought you uh, had a bunch of days off. Bro, I worked Tuesday and Friday this week. That's a great schedule right there, man. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Tuesday and Thursday. This week. That's even better. So Monday I took off. Tuesday I worked. Wednesday we were closed for Veterans Day. Mm. And Friday they, you're off. Yeah, no, I took off on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, I was sick. <coughs> yeah. Um <laughs> I still got <laughs> I still, I have so much PTO time left that it's just gonna they just gonna I'm I'm basically just holla at me in January, bro. Honestly, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> at this point. Um so yeah, the uh, post-election world has been very, very interesting. You heard about the uh, the Million MAGA March? I didn't know about that until you mentioned it earlier. So the Million MAGA March, we're recording this on Saturday. I think it happened today. So is that uh, an appropriation? The Million MAGA March. Yeah. Yes, it is appropriation. Okay, I thought so. Cause they, I feel like marching in the millions wasn't a thing to uh, the marching in the millions. <laughs> like, you never heard that before the uh, Million Man March. Yeah, no, you definitely didn't. Like that wasn't a goal for niggas. Or have a million people. White, or people, or white or people. people. Yeah. Um, they would really just get marching. together then try to estimate the numbers. Honestly, marching in general. Mm. Gandhi, niggas, Gandhi had people marching, mar- marching for real. They were marching like crazy long distances. That's that where true. MLK got MLK. MLK. <laughs> MLK. That's where he got it from. <laughs> that's not like a rapper. MLK. MLK. <laughs> I bet you it is Ooh, somebody. If I ever start doing cocaine rap. MLK. MLK. <laughs> Mississippi, Louisiana. That's where they from. That's where they traffic. <laughs> that was the uh, I-95. Right. <laughs> so yeah, this Million Mega March I think is very actually very very interesting because uh for a few reasons. Number 1, 
this is, uh, I don't know how it was marketed, but it's basically a, a farewell celebration, right? <laughs> right? Like, I don't know okay. if they marketed it as, um, you know, we ain't going nowhere type shit, right? Like, you know, finish the count. We, we still got these lawsuits and we're celebrating and showing our power that, like, Mega Man is still supported. I don't know if that was the goal and the purpose behind mm-hmm. it, but really, really to me, what it looks like, the optics mm-hmm. are uh, a farewell celebration. It's like, hmm. we, we're going to miss you type thing. Uh, I don't know if you saw this too, <laughs> but like Trump drove through it. Have they ever done that for a president? A farewell? Yeah, I don't recall. Not ever. to this type That's of scale or like not in this way for huh. sure. The other funny part about it is Trump, uh, his motorcade actually drove through it. On his way to go play some golf. Of course, he had to like catch the vibe. Yeah, and, you know yeah. Had to go say hi to his ego people. stroke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think that this is interesting because I think it speaks to something that's happening in this country, and I think that is very, very interesting uh, hmm. dynamic that's happening. I believe. Okay. That the definitions of Democrats and Republicans are about to shift again. They're about to reverse back. Like to before uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Exactly. I think what's happening here is uh, a transition of identities in America. And I think that what's really happening is it's just getting updated. Our values as a country and as a society Mm -hmm. are getting updated. Um, I think that for the most part, what people have traditionally been divided along political lines they're not divided along anymore, right? Like, they're not those traditional political things that are dividing people. I think what has started to divide people a little bit more and representatives in terms of candidates and people running for office are are starting to lean into a little bit more is it's not so much about the identities of people, Mm -hmm. but the experiences of people, which talks a lot more uh, about class. And the way that people are experiencing America. And uh, what's happening is the people are bucking against our representative system right now. Because we feel like nobody is truly accurately representing us. And I believe what happens is... Huh. Go ahead. I feel like that is true for the Democrats, but I don't know if the Republicans feel the same way. So what I think is happening on the Republican side is I think that they are a lot more open. I think that the traditional Republican values aren't different, mm-hmm. but I also think that they're a lot more willing to listen to people that challenges or updates with those values or how those values look today. Because it's probably more middle-leaning Republicans than our extremists i'm assuming not only that but i think that when you have thing when you have uh you know the the republican party can't lean on voter turnout Mm -hmm. to accurately describe or or track the popularity of their party right they kind of they kind of have to track the think about the other the alternative name for republicans as conservatives these people are not talking about their action, like their political actions, right? So, like, yeah. it's very really hard to track who your who your base is and how it's growing if people aren't talking about their behavior or mm. their actions, or and you can't track it. 
So I think that the Republicans are forced to be a little bit more creative in mm-hmm. designing talking points and listening to people and putting certain people on camera uh, with their talking points to attract certain people because they have to speak to people a little bit more. Democrats can lean on just their values and what they think is right or wrong. They don't have to lean so much into who the people actually are, if that makes sense, that, that are representing them. Okay. And I feel like when that happens, this is why you get things like every demographic increasing their Republican voter voting mm. Um, every every of color demographic <laughs> increased their, their voting. The only demographic that voted less for Trump than last time is white people, white men. Yeah. Um. So that that uh and 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 then Ooh. shortly after that, I also saw some st- statistics about what like Fox News viewers value. They're like, mm. we don't really we ain't tripping about abortion like that, but these medical bills though. <laughs> right <laughs> like yeah. these student loans though so like these values are <laughs> starting becoming to become more socialist exactly the, the the lines are becoming muddied and what i think mm. is going to happen is it's going to be a reverse because look at what's happening on the democratic party the left mm-hmm. you you can't say everything you can't say what you want if you're going to offend people true it's going to be certain people that are going to be uh protected um, uh, uplifted and also certain people that are not. Hmm. Um, we talked about identity politics on OTC, yeah. but respectability politics uh, <laughs> is another concept that I think is actually relevant for this transition that I'm talking you about. You want to give us a definition of respectability? Respectability politics, politics is the definition that I gave of identity <laughs> politics. <laughs> Uh, last week. So respectability <laughs> politics basically is choosing people as representatives or or uh, just the system of politics based on um, individual respectable identities. So like mm-hmm. making sure that folks don't have criminal histories or aren't in, into any weird sex shit or anything Which like that. Which never really seems to work out because that always comes to the light for some reason. And it usually backfires most on people who are what? Conservative, because they try to act like that shit ain't a thing. That's true. And so that's what I think is weird about the Democratic Party. And what's happening with them right now is I think that this shit is about to start flipping on them. All of this shit that they say you can't do, can't say, mm-hmm. right, that, that's offensive and all of this. These are the same people doing that shit behind closed doors. <laughs> and so when, it, when the tides turn and the cameras get in their face for their transgressions, then it's going to become, they're going to be viewed as the conservative right like the having the conservative opinion so i'm just saying i can see this uh what i see right now is kind of a the beginning of the transition of these political parties switching now what's important about this is there's two ways that this can go it can go just like how it went in lincoln's time where the parties just switch or Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for us to get rid of just having two parties maybe we can expand to have more parties maybe we can have better representation maybe there's a redesign of our political structure that can potentially happen over the next few years i'm talking about right like yeah. the next five to ten years is what i'm talking about what but this th- i see as a moment that begins that transition what do you think it'll take for that third party to like gain some kind of credence amongst amongst americans where like it's an option 
Because, like, I always pick a third party when I vote, especially for our presidential um, situation. So, like, whenever, whenever I talk to other people, their first thing is, like, you know, I, especially the last two elections, they're like, I don't really like either one of these choices, but if I vote this third party, they're not really going to win. Mm-hmm. So, like, and everyone has that same mindset. That third party is never going to get that vote because everybody just assumes because they <laughs> they think if they vote for that person, it's not going to mean anything. But it's also crazy because those are the same people that tell you every vote counts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll vote for a Democrat or a Republican. <clears throat> and it's very frustrating for me sometimes when I deal with people because they're like, they think they don't have any other options. And that's only a, because they've limited themselves to these two options. Yeah. All right. So this is uh this is where I'm gonna give out some free game. Uh oh. Okay. Uh this is my line of work mm-hmm. um in a lot of ways and definitely figuring out political strategy to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what I'm about to say uh, I cannot say at work because uh, it lean it it's not leaning any type of way. What I'm about to say is for wins. It's for mm. W's. Okay? okay. So this is not this is a nonpartisan strategy playbook coming your way. All right. The first thing is, um, The first thing I think it wait what was the last thing you said? <laughs> no, because it was a it was a certain point that you made that I yeah, wanted to. I was right. saying that because people, you know, when it comes to voting in the in the booth, they think that their vote won't count if they vote for this third party because they don't think they're uh, um, they're going to make any kind of reasonable impact. So they because of that, they tend to just vote Democrat Democrat or Republican. And I said those same people tend to be the same people to tell me their every vote counts, and that's why they end up voting for Republican or Democrat. And when you say that, I'm like, if you think every vote counts, why don't you vote for this third party person? And they never really have an answer for that. It's like, oh, they're not going to win anyway, so why waste my vote? If I am the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. my strategy shifts to the primaries. Okay. And I put a lot of my energy into running competitive primary races. Mm-hmm. The reason why I do that is because nobody votes in the primaries. True. There's no energy in the primaries. When people say your vote counts, they mean it counts in the primary. <laughs> That's what they're talking about. All right. And so the primaries is the opportunity on the Democratic Party side is the opportunity to actually figure out the candidate that your base is going to be energized behind. The primaries, I think, traditionally up until this point, what we've seen, and especially over the last two years, it's basically just a battlegrounds. It's like who gonna who gonna who's gonna survive to the who's gonna be able to raise the most money, whose PR team is gonna be able to handle the most, like who's gonna be able to handle press and money and not saying no stupid shit across the country. 
that's what the primaries are basically about, mm. right? That's where every candidate is telling you exactly what you want to hear as a member of their base. They're not even talking to nobody that's not a Democrat, right? They're yeah. talking to their base, especially being an identity-laden group. Like, they, that's what they focus on and trying to be representative. They need to switch their focus to the primaries. And what they'll get out of the primaries is data collection. They'll figure out all the demographics that they need to not just get somebody to vote, but what you want to aim for as the Democratic Party at this point is energizing people. It's not enough to just have a voter base. Your 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 get out the vote efforts are not enough. You need energy. You need mm. people that's gonna go get other people. You need event you need democratic evangelists. You need people who democratic are gonna go out talking about this shit. Yeah. Uh, that's what you need to do on, on on that side. On the Republican side, what you have to do is shut the fuck up. That's all you have to do on the Republican side. What you do, if I was the Republicans, what I do is I start having all of these town halls in the hood. Mm. That's what I and primary time. I'm talking about the same Ooh. timeline. Those are going to get contentious. I don't think they will because all you have to do is let people talk. Remember old girl... It was a viral clip a couple of weeks ago where she was snapping like on those, uh, the council. Yeah, the council. city council. Yeah. Don't let it be organized by city council. Because <laughs> I feel like shit like that. What you do is you don't even have to let the, like, whoever is organizing the event, they don't mm. even have to be, like, loud Republicans or loud right, mm -hmm. loud on the right. All they have to do is create a platform for people to be able to express their grievances. You think people will show up? Maybe. To, for like, if they know the person's Republican? That's what I'm saying. You don't have to make that okay. a thing. You might create just talk a, to a congressman, da da da. Not even. Or, I would create like a community roundtable mm -hmm. or a town hall, right? Now, mm -hmm. traditionally, these town halls are put on by the city council or um, by a candidate, right? Mm -hmm. But what I would do is I would create it. Um, as a neighborhood thing. So like this don't have nothing to do with politicians. This don't have nothing to do with representatives or none of that. Better. What do we as the members of this neighborhood want? What are our priorities? What are we concerned about? And I would do a series of those across the hood. Okay. And then what I would do is I would take all of those priorities and I would figure out how to market them. In a Republican way, because what you're, what's going to happen is they're going to hear a bunch of Democratic talking points. Yeah. But what they need to do is figure out how to repackage those to their talking points and still appeal to those same people. So, mm. for example, really great example. If I'm the Republicans, you know, the first thing that I do right now. Call Kanye West. Nope. Oh, OK, I'm passing uh, <laughs> I'm passing a bill through the Senate. That eliminates student debt mm. immediately. But that doesn't fall in the line with the Republican values. Check right? this out, though. Okay. First hundred hours of Joe Biden's presidency, I'm pushing that through the Senate. Mm. And I'm going to tell everybody, hey, as the Senate, as the GOP, hey, we have this student debt cancellation bill on the table. It's on Biden's desk right now, President Biden's desk right now. Um, put the you know, he's been him. put the pressure on him. But gotcha. you know what I also do What's that, that I don't say publicly? I put a whole bunch of Republican priorities attached to that bill mm. and force them to decline it. 
So that what do you get to say? Joe Biden ran on the promise of eliminating student debt. We actually put we, <laughs> the Republican Party, presented a bill that would do just that. And what did yeah. they do? They reneged on their promise in the first hundred hours of being president. This is what we're up against. And Joe, I knew that immediately. And if, if Joe Biden was more like Trump, he'd be like that. That was trash. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Joe Biden's going to try to be more PC. And be like, well, there was a lot of, uh, what do they call, um, fat on the bill or whatever. Or Oh, you mean like the 94 crime bill? Yeah. So like. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I'm, that's, and I'm talking about, I'm not giving him 100 days. Yeah. I'm talking about immediately. Hours. I'm talking about the first he thing that comes week. across his desk yeah. is a motherfucking student debt <laughs> cancellation <laughs> bill. <laughs> Immediately off rip. That's the first thing I'm saying. Mm. And make it come out the Senate because they're mm. running it. They're mm -hmm. they controlling mm -hmm. it. The House will never approve that shit if they attach the right their right the right things to it that they want. Yeah. And then if you and then if they do accept it, then you getting shit that you want out of it anyway. I don't that's know. True. That's uh, a good strategy. That's what that's what I would do. I would uh I would I would I would do that shit. I would already have my motherfuckers writing that shit right now. My motherfuckers. On, yeah, because on <laughs> January twentieth, I need that email to go out, bro. Mm. I need that. I need that. Sh I need that vote. I need that vote to happen. Yeah. That's the first thing that I would do. And all of this, by the way, has nothing to do with actually leading this country. I just want. Yeah. I, I just want that to be another point that we make. None of this has anything to do with leading the country in the direction that it's supposed to go. What it does have to do with is empowering the people of this country with understanding how it works mm. and using the systems that govern us for our benefit. Yeah. That's what it's about. Um, because believe it or not, these political parties actually are here to serve us, right? They have to <laughs> rebrand based on oh, our needs. <laughs> like, oh. let's not, like, let's not forget that. Yeah. That's something that's very, very important. They need to rebrand. They are the we are the CEOs. They they are the marketing team. That's really how this should go. Um <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's my uh my political topics for the week. Ooh, uh, actually one more. One more no, kind of semi political on, topic. Coronavirus is on the rise, bro. <laughs> Coronavirus is on the rise. Uh mm -hmm. this week uh uh Mayor Mo Put out some, <laughs> put out some new regulations. We basically are going back into shutdown in Chicago. I think starting Monday. Yeah. But it's like, it's not <sighs> the same as it was before, though. It feels like it feels like it's a light version of it. Yeah, there's still like that's where we're gonna start, but we're gonna get we're gonna I actually know. get locked yeah. out again. But it's so interesting to me because I this shit doesn't make any sense. Um, and mm. I hate to be one of these because I I'm not one of these coronavirus conspiracy people right like i do sure? think yeah I'm, I'm positive i do think that there's <laughs> a virus that's going around that's fucking people up i truly believe that i mm -hmm. truly truly do i don't think that it has um the catastrophic impact that i think that we're doing uh the world is doing um it's due diligence to try to prevent. I don't. I just don't think it's that bad, and I think that we're doing extra to make sure that it doesn't get that bad. And I'm not mad at that. I'm, I'm perfectly right. okay with that. But I do think that if you're going to say that the coronavirus is dangerous and that you need to move, wear a mask and that indoor dining is banned, then you can't put a tin up 
and ask people to eat outside in the tent and say we have outdoor dining and this is going to help with the coronavirus. Like, for that to be allowed, yeah. and then also the concerns we have about the those, I'm just a common sense type person, that don't make no sense. You cannot tell me that me sitting inside of Gibson's versus outside of Gibson's in a tent it's going to change my chances of getting the coronavirus. Yeah, that yeah. shit just don't make no sense. That period. Oh, a oh. lot a lot of what I've been hearing is they, they have those type of regu- uh, uh, regulations simply just not to get sued, right? Just to cover their asses and say, oh, we had a social distance re- uh, regulation. Yeah. But, like, it's also just it can't be scientifically pure. Yeah, it's <laughs> not based on science. I was talking to someone the other day, and um, I was talking about, like, Compromise. I was a gray area. I was like, there's always a gray area. And like, to me, this is the gray area of like, we want these places to be able to still have business and make money. But at the same time, we don't want it to be like the wild, wild west where, you know, COVID ends up running rampant because nobody's wearing masks and, you know, these things. So like, because they know businesses are going to complain because they're going to not have any money coming in. Right. Because a lot of places just, might not work for takeout like Gibson's, like steak. It's hard to do. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, like, I think this is the compromise for that. Like, the mayor listening to what people want as far as wanting to be able to go out still and dine and also trying to be safe. Because, like, it doesn't make much sense. Like, the late, the one before they decided to shut shit down again where, like, you have to put your mask on when your server comes to the table but you can take it off when they leave. <laughs> that shit is kind of silly. So, um, yeah, I just think this is a compromise, and it is never going to make sense because it you're trying to appease too many people. What they should do is just give people credits or money, and that way they don't have these dumbass compromises. You could literally <laughs> shut the country down if you're going to pay yeah, people. Just, just do, do what do Canada it. did. Just pay people. Uh, mortgage forgiveness, rent, you know, forgiveness or whatever, and let people sit the fuck down for a couple weeks where they don't have to, like, go to work or, you know what I'm saying, stress these things out so people aren't willing, like, going out to the risk of their lives. I've been thinking a lot about the concept of choices lately. Everybody got choices. Yeah, and um, trying to figure out... The role that circumstances and choices play in the conditions of our people. Mm -hmm. And um, like trying to just build that out and scale that concept out to like the country and feeling like there always is going to be a consequence to your choice Mm -hmm. and just really the the decision you're making ain't about the decision. It's about the consequences that you're choosing. And I think that for whatever reason in America, the consequence of losing money is akin to death. (laughs) Like, people be scared of losing some bread or, like, Mm. not having more. Good old American greed. That's exactly it. Because we simply, very quickly, was it some one of these um, coronavirus task force people that Biden just appointed said four to six weeks if we lock down we good like we Gucci wow. six weeks we literally are right back to normal. normal. Wow, 
Do you know how much cheaper it would have been to give people a six week check versus a year long check? Yeah. Like, do you do we do? But we wanted we were scared of that short term impact of having to pay what a trillion dollars or so yeah. to everybody. Like the the yeah. the the choices that we make to deal with the consequences is what is perturbing because those decisions are being made based on who can handle it. Mm. And for the bulk of people, for the bulk of Americans, the decision that was made is not helpful to us. It doesn't. It's not the best thing for us as individuals. Mm. It's maybe the best thing for the largest money generators in this country. Yeah. Maybe if the goal is to continue to make sure that those entities are thriving and can sustain themselves and continue to provide the products and services that make um the america what it is mm-hmm. if that's what the priority is then okay understood why you would bail them out i get it but i think that more and more people are saying well wait a minute because i i mean i i could go without that corporation i need my crypto mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean yeah. and especially even more so as more and more people are becoming entrepreneurs themselves and becoming business owners themselves, they're like, hold the fuck on, fam. I ain't getting no, like, I ain't get, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I could also provide that very same service, but I'm a small mom and pop shop that's not going to get the same benefits that a corporation, large organization True. might get. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, that, that the coronavirus being on the rise, I think, highlights more than just this, this conflict of, like, science versus... I don't even know what science is up against right now. <laughs> but but um, science is up against people that don't believe in science. Yeah, that but what's the what is that? Religion? Nah, it's not even necessarily religion. It's just people that are ignorant and not educated on how science works. But how do you not believe in science though? <sighs> we need someone that doesn't because believe in science could to explain that to me. <laughs> because what happens when you heat water? It people, boils and then it evaporates. What do you call that? People don't believe in science <laughs> when it opposes their views. I feel you on that. It's not that they don't believe it because they believe everything else. Like They believe in gravity. Right. When it comes to driving that car, they understand that science has built that car, engineering has built that car. But it comes to like climate change or diseases, like there's been a, I feel like, I don't know who's orchestrated this campaign, but it's been a campaign orchestrated on like, not believing in the truth and kind of creating your own truth based on how you feel and what you believe in. There's no more, um, like, people referring to science, uh, not even to scientists, but professionals, people that have studied, studied these things and realizing that their opinion, their views isn't their opinion, it's based on facts. Mm. People see it as their opinion, and that has created, like, uh, a culture of ignorance now nobody believes the professionals anymore. Yeah, everybody got an opinion. Mm-hmm. Everybody they think their opinion is right. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with thinking your opinion is right. But to behave as your opinion is right is a whole other thing. You should be you should be confident in your opinion, mm-hmm. but you should be just as confident in uh, changing it, modifying it, adjusting it. And growing it, like you should have that same fever 
or fervor to uh <laughs> right to to challenge that right mm-hmm. the same way that you're willing to defend it you should be have the same gusto to challenge it and break it down because that's only going to sharpen it i f- only makes it better or changes your mind for the better yeah i feel like your opinion should be based on the most recent and widely accepted information there was um um <laughs> there was a, a Instagram bio quote that I was trying to come up with that somewhere in some draft somewhere that might end up being like a poem somewhere. But like it says, post on Instagram, this was a bio. This is different than a post. But it says. Um, We're still waiting for our voter selection choice. <laughs> damn. <laughs> the election is over. <laughs> but it says, don't let your. Um, don't let your experiences be the scope of your expertise, right? Yeah. And I think that that's something that this, I don't know if it's this generation or if it's just these uh, radical lefties that mm. I found myself associated with mm. a lot over the past few years. I don't know what it is, but for for whatever reason, folks feel like their experience is the only thing that matters Mm. and that their experience is the world's reality. And it's fucked up because the same way that they make that argument is the same way that they dismiss other people's experiences. Mm. And that's so wild to me while making the case for your experience to be acknowledged and like, you know what I'm saying? Acknowledged and catered to or whatever. Yeah. What I feel like is missed in that process is in order to do that, you have to do the same thing that's done to you to other people. Mm. And that's how capitalism works. Mm. <laughs> that's why someone is always going to be exploited. Yeah. Whether it, you know, somebody's always going to be exploited within that system. And I feel like that's what happens in these like civil liberties fights where people are fighting for their identities and like just to be heard, just to be safe, just to be themselves yeah. at the end of the day. Right, but they end up taking on this kind of super villain type thing where it's like their actual intentions are actually pure and good. It makes a lot of sense, and everybody low key would agree with them. But then you start doing things that turn certain people off or create enemies or just, you know, manifest opposition for what? For why? (laughs) For no reason, really. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's a. that's the thing. I don't. You, yeah. The, I think I talked about this uh, in one. I can't even remember what episode, but it's a pendulum. Yeah. Shit's gonna go That's too the name far. Of the episode. Yeah. It's shit's gonna go too yeah. far one way. It's gonna go too far the other way. But at some point, it somewhere in the middle, shit starts making yeah. sense. Hopefully, that's the intention. Um. All right. All right. Let's get into some fuckery, man. That was yeah. forty-five minutes on uh, politics or real shit. Um. I want to get into your, no, 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 no. Before we get into this, because that's going to transition us into music. We got to talk about, we have to talk about something that's very, very important. Um, you know, as consumers, I think that consumer protections are very important. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this day and age of digital scams and uh, uh, bait and switch and, you know, all of these different things. I think this is a topic that's very, very, very important for a lot of different reasons for the consumer, but also for the provider of the service. 
And what I'm talking about right now is OnlyFans pricing. Now, mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, who was it? Chris Brown this week got an OnlyFans. <laughs> I think Amber <laughs> Rose recently, yeah. like in the last few weeks, recently has gotten yeah. the OnlyFans. There's a few kind of celebrity folks. They have OnlyFans. Beyonce mentioned in the record that it, uh, I think it was the Savage remix that she might do an OnlyFans. She's definitely not doing an OnlyFans. And she definitely is not. But the she reason why I'm naming these, these names. Getting them doing shit she won't do. Yeah. The reason why I'm naming uh, Cardi B has OnlyFans. The reason why she I'm does? naming. Yeah. But she doesn't do sexual shit on there. Of course her. not. But what, I'm, what my point is, the reason why I named those names is because I feel like when you have established a brand, mm-hmm. right? then you can charge a certain amount strictly based on the brand, mm-hmm. right? Like, you don't even, like Cardi B, for example, ex-stripper, you know there's the potential to see some titties, right? No, we don't know that. Not, yes, you do. There's Nobody always a potential that. to see that with, with Cardi. You She's might a be married a woman. T- she ain't showing her titties on purpose. Are you kidding me? She put them on Instagram the other day. What are you talking about? That wasn't on purpose. Eh. Uh, that's debatable But my <laughs> point is She's not shy about share, Showing her body Is what I'm saying mm-hmm. So like being on OnlyFans Ain't the wildest thing For Cardi to do But also She's not using her OnlyFans For that purpose She's doing other shit On her OnlyFans Releasing other kind of content On that right But the point is The point I'm trying to make is Because she's Cardi B She can charge What she wants For her OnlyFans Regardless of what she's doing On there Mm-hmm. Right, somebody like a Chris Brown can charge what the fuck he wants for his only. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I saw uh, the Chris Brown one. I saw uh, uh, some of the comments women were making. One of the ones that I thought was funny was uh, it was a girl. She was like, "Are you gonna show some dick or something, or are you gonna be like doing art and shit?" <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody say, "Are you doing pop lock p- tutorials?" <laughs> oh shit. But that's my my point is they can sell whatever they want to. They got a brand. Yeah. They have a fan base. They can establish whatever they want. Um, uh, within the last hour, I've come across an OnlyFans as we were looking for. Anyway, I came across an OnlyFans <laughs> that is charging more money than Amber Rose is charging. Yeah. For her monthly subscription. Now, this person, I mean, you can't see OnlyFans followers. So I don't know how popular they are on OnlyFans. Right. I don't know how they're giving it up on OnlyFans. They may be doing some of the greatest shit ever. I don't know their stats. I don't know what percentage of performers they're in. Or earn. I don't know none of that. Yeah. But I do know that they're charging more money <laughs> than Amber Rose. And they just don't have... They're just not Amber Rose. So this just made me get to thinking of how do folks price their OnlyFans? How do you how do you value yourself? So when you devalue yourself to be naked on OnlyFans, mm-hmm. how do you value yourself in terms of your content? Yeah, I don't know. Like I just feel like it from the prices I've seen from the people that are Having these prices and the, um, I just don't think those people understand like marketing. I think they, I, yeah, because like a you. lot of the, I feel like what OnlyFans has turned into 
uh, specifically during this pandemic is is how to get a quick come up, right? Whereas before, I felt like there were people that were actually making a living off of it mm-hmm. and doing consistent content. Now it seems like it's people that are trying to get like a quick burst of money. Like, yeah, the old chick, uh, old girl, that's the actress. They got like a couple million for creating her OnlyFans. Only fans. Then you had Ruby Rose that did the thing where she got like a hundred k in a couple a uh, couple days, creating her only fan. Only I cannot say this for only fans. So well, like, Akash call it the only news. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I think people are seeing this as more as a come up and a hustle as opposed to like people you know a year and a half ago looking at it more as a um, a lucrative job. So like the pricing is like, so their pricing is fucking up the game. Because they're just flooding the market with these ridiculous prices because they're trying to get a quick come up. Whereas I think if you realize that you're going to be more consistent, you want to create a fan base. And you don't, and the bigger your fan base, the less you can charge to make a nice amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I think that's what has happened. People are just like kind of fucking up the game with these crazy prices because they want a quick come up. All right, so here's a here here would be my question then is how do you see this fame loop working then? Because mm. I think that a lot of people hop on the OnlyFans train to kind of build up their notoriety to mm. finesse it into other things and monetize on other things, right? The tra- the uh, in the past uh, that trajectory has looked like be a bottle girl or be a stripper, yeah, become a bottle girl, become a model. Yeah. Start a rap career. You know what I mean? Like, it, it mm. follows that. So, my question is, today, how does it go? Does you, you get your year OnlyFans, then what? <laughs> right? Like, like, you're not going to be a video girl. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get a rap career off your OnlyFans. You might get a porn career if you lit like that. But, like... What's the finesse? Like, what's the next next move? Especially if you're saying that this is a money grab. Like, this is yeah. not a necessarily um, a long term. You know what I'm saying? Thing. Mm. What is the mm. what's the finesse? How do you finesse this? Where does it go from here? That's the thing. Like, when it's a money grab, people don't think like next steps a long term. Like, if it's a smash and grab robbery, you just running in and taking shit out. You don't think how much money is in there, how many cameras are in there, how could I get caught? You just doing some shit to make some money fast and not really thinking about how that will work out in the future. That's why I'm kind of, I feel like there are some younger people that are being influenced by people that are a few years older than them where they're like putting out this content and not realizing that how it could come back to bite them in the past because we live in a culture where like um, these things are more normalized, but that's now. (laughs) Like, we're like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, women's rights, women power. I'm all for that. But, like, these things can come back to bite you in the past. Or it could be where everybody has one and it's a normal thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, who knows how that is going to play out. Is that different, though? Is it different now because of social media? Because I feel like that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. That's always been the thing. But the big difference to me is so like you've always been around folks that's older than you doing some shit you never yeah. wasn't supposed to be doing. But there was no real penalty for that shit. Mm-hmm. Besides, like you might get you know caught up in some shit and like, but you 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 have the opportunity to learn from that. In yeah. today's day and age. While those same opportunities are presented, we just don't have the grace to grow and learn and develop from those situations. So mm-hmm. that's where I think 
what you're saying becomes a lot like it becomes scary because you know young people do dumb shit that yeah. you shouldn't be doing and that could potentially fuck you up for the rest of your life but you're young and you're allowed to make young dumb mistakes nowadays with the internet though you're not allowed to grow you're not yeah. allowed to be a better person you're not allowed to do some dumb shit and then critique it yourself later on i mean you are it's hypocritical now but you just gotta stop doing your dumb shit on the internet I don't know if you really are, though, honestly. I, 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 like, so, for example, mm-hmm. a really, really excellent example, Jesse Jackson. Mm-hmm. Okay? Jesse Jackson is a freedom fighter. Undeniable. He's been fighting for civil rights since my mama could remember. Goddamn. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of criticism on him in a lot of these woke circles because of his behavior, how he acts, the era he comes from, just yeah. a lot of that, right? But at the end of the day, he's also still on the front lines. And his opinions today aren't necessarily the same as in the fucking 60s. Mm-hmm. Right. But what happens is a lot. Of, there's a segment of people who will just not accept anything that he says. And actually anything he's associated with, they see as fool shit simply off of their perception of what he thought, said, did, behaved in the 60s. Mm-hmm. There's no consideration for how he feels now. There's no consideration for his own critiques of his behavior then. There's no consideration for his growth or even what his viewpoint and standpoints are today, right? Yeah. And I feel like that is uh, emblematic of how we treat people, period, today. Okay. Like, I feel like if there's a young person who did some dumb shit and grows and becomes uh, a more mature person then I feel like in today's age, that maturity and that growth is not highlighted. What's going to be highlighted is the quote-unquote hypocrisy of what you're saying now versus what you said when you were getting on right. or when people were first getting to know you. So there's a there's a um, lack of appreciation for growth, I think, um, on a big, big scale. That yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And, and I think that that is going to discourage people from having authentic opinions. And feeling like they are being authentic. I feel like people are just going to be saying shit that <laughs> they think the other people want to hear. And that shit is going to continue for a long time if people aren't allowed to feel secure in growing and changing and maturing mm-hmm. and all of these different things. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's never going to change. I'm fine with that because, like, people that are willing to fall in line with the traditional or popular views at the time probably don't have much to say anyways yeah well, at what point in human history are we going to learn that the people who do shit differently and weird are the ones we should listen to like we just gonna keep excoriating these motherfuckers <laughs> for, forever <laughs> like we just gonna keep doing, we never gonna learn that those are the people that make shits better for us yeah as human beings i don't know moral of the story some of you hoes are charging too much for your only fans <laughs> That's the moral of the story. 2021, <laughs> I was told recently that Troy is going to have business opportunities for you to help you get your OnlyFans up and popping. Yeah, so, there's, um, you know. there's your boy. Yeah. Yeah, we can do. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> business, the business inquiries page it's, is coming soon. It's all about the toe picks. Right. Toe picks, not Three feet picks. Three weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row. All right, let's, let's get into this. Um, let's get into this conspiracy theory that you have, man, you got me tired or that you now, heard about. Man. All right, um, 
so like most Americans, I got my information from YouTube about this conspiracy. Yeah, that's the news. <laughs> so um, I just randomly saw like this almost 20 minute video about how Tory Lanez was set up and framed. So, oh boy, like I think the conspiracy borderlines on ridiculous, but also has some proof, like most conspiracy theories, right? Okay, there's always a tinge of um, truth to it, right? So, essentially, I'm going to try to abbreviate the conspiracy theory. Tory Lanez was signed to Interscope Records at one point, right? Um, Recently, I believe this year sometime, Tory Lanez said that he was now independent Mm -hmm. and owned all of his music going forward. And he Mm -hmm. had his own team that would put out the music, help, you know, shoot the videos, all these things. Right. He was no longer reliant on the um, record label. Right. And... Because of this, he, uh, before this happened, and I think the reason why he went independent is because he was having some issues with Interscope as far as um, him not being able to put music out what he wanted to. Um, There was a rumor that he wanted to kind of just kind of do a rap album. They wouldn't do it. They're like, nah, you're a singer, you sing. And so, like, when he wanted to do that, that's when he had to... When he was talking about, you know, nobody can't fuck with me and rap. And he had the diss tracks back and forth with Don Q and, um, oh, girl, I can't remember her name. And um, Lucas Joyner. Cash Doll? Nah, that's another doll. Asian Doll. It's one. Of, it's another doll. It's not Cash Was Doll. Was it Asian Doll? It's one of them dolls, dog. Ain't that Von's ex? You're asking me too many questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, around that time when he wanted to do a rap album, they told him no. That's when he felt like he needed to prove himself. So that's when he started doing the rap battles or the rap beefs, you know. Um, and then around Chicks Tape 5, he kind of basically paid for that with his own money because the record label didn't want to clear any samples or they didn't want to pay him back. So because of those experiences, he realized that he wanted to be an independent artist. So he decided to go indie, and Atlantic didn't like that. So... The conspiracy part that kicks in is because Atlantic didn't like that, they wanted to bring him down because he kind of like um, tried to outshine the master. If you ever read the 48 Laws of Power, which is something you never do, mm-hmm. because he did that, they decided they're like, well, you know, we can't have other people see him do this being successful and independent. We're going to make an example out of him. And they decided to make an example out of him by influencing Meg the Stallion, not necessarily creating a situation where she received harm, but kind of manipulating her into doing things that would make him look bad under the light. And I think that's why he was not pretty much coming out and saying that he didn't shoot her, but like he was alluding that he didn't do these things and things didn't necessarily happen the way she said. So... Meg the Stallion, because he was like, he believes that outside sources like Rock Nation and Jay-Z have played a role in kind of convincing Meg the Stallion to make Tory look like the bad guy and that he was purposely trying to attack her instead of more making it look like an accident, which I think Tory was kind of alluding to it being. So that is a conspiracy. What do you think about that? 
Um, <clears throat> I think it's. I, I, I feel a way about this conspiracy because okay. I think that it's a little bit dangerous to create these opponent narratives against black men and their success mm-hmm. to explain away controversies and potential fuck shit that they did yep. because I feel like it eludes uh, accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, niggas tried to do the same shit when Cosby got caught up in it and it was like, oh, he was trying to buy NBC. It's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, dollars. Yeah, but I, th- to me, that those are dangerous narratives to explain away the fuck shit right. by saying that somebody else is responsible for trying to frame them. With that being said, I do find it very, very interesting that this whole Tory Lanez and Meg Thee Stallion situation has not gone the way that you think it would go if Tory Lane shot Meg Thee Stallion. That's okay. true. Yeah. So that, that that just makes this whole thing a little Isn't bit more. Is the court day coming up soon, or is that yeah? Like next this will be the second one, I think, because they already oh, had okay. one that got pushed back. Ah, um, okay. the the what? Um, so yeah, that that's what makes this complicated to me. The interesting thing about the conspiracy and the aspect that I think is most interesting is what the fuck did y'all think Rock Nation and Meg's camp was gonna do? Mm. Right, like of course they're gonna try to make sure that their client is sitting in the best light because I'm pretty sure there was some fuck shit that went on that night that everybody is responsible for, yes. and yeah. in order for your like I'm just talking about from a, a PR team, a management team perspective, mm-hmm. you have to protect your client. You gotta do uh, fuck that nigga Tory. He ain't signed to us. You know what I'm saying? Like he, yeah. we don't have no allegiances to him or his celebrity. So like we're gonna protect our client. So I'm not like I'm not mad at. Rock Nation or or Meg or her team for uh, for any of that, even if they are lying, right? Like, yeah. that's how you, you you supposed to protect your client. Um, <clears throat> I just don't think what I think what what was what's interesting to about this situation to me is kind of this is disgusting, but kind of what Tori was saying. When did this shit go left? Mm. What happened to make this shit go left? Because when it first happened, there was no problem. Yeah. Everybody was cool. That's it was fine. Conspiracy theory would say a rock nation stepped in or Interscope stepped in. They realized this can be used to bring about its downfall. So it makes more sense to me for Interscope and Atlantic than it does for rock nation. Why? Because for Interscope and Atlantic, there's a direct vengeance towards... Tory that you mm-hmm. can find as motive for rock nation. They're just protecting Meg. And if Meg wasn't in the situation, there would be nobody to throw under the bus or to th- anybody yeah. that they felt like they had to throw under the bus well, to protect. Her. I guess because <laughs> they could have supported the original story too. Mm-hmm. And that could have just been the story if everybody was fine, but right. something happened. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Something for happened the, for, for these allegiances and these relationships to be broken. To, Argue for the conspiracy theory. I think maybe not most people, but people know that the music industry is very incestuous. Where mm-hmm. like people work for they'll work for all the labels. People are familiar with each other. People will work with each other often. So there's already like some kind of camaraderie amongst. Like record execs and higher ups mm. from these different labels, so as far as like you know, this could be your homie at Atlantic or 
cool with the guy uh, at Interscope or whatever, right. Jimmy Iovine and uh, whoever, right? Then you in a conference call with Tata. Yeah. You're like, about- <laughs> it hurt if you're Atlantic yeah. Records or Rock Nation. You're like, well, okay, how can we both use this to benefit right. us? Right. Like, you want to bring Tory Lanez down. We don't really want to reveal what happened with Meg Thee Stallion or we want to make her look the best mm. in this situation. How can we both use this to our advantage? And I feel like that's where, you know, that right there, that conversation right there is the conversation that puts black people at a disadvantage traditionally because that Rock Nation was another white, white organization. Mm. The tides are different now because that's a black, mm-hmm. that, that's a black company, yeah. and and so they have to decide. Basically, they have to decide how they want to handle this situation. And what they decided was to protect a black woman mm-hmm. in this situation, who also happens to be their client. But you know, they happen to protect a black woman, or did the woman they were protecting happen to be black? Um, I think the. I think their client happened mm-hmm. to be a black woman. Okay. That's what I think happened. I don't I, I think if it was a white male, they would have figured out a way to lean into you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Prejudice against white people, white men. Like that felt like they would have figured that out. Mm-hmm. A, a, a way to do that. I think it's yeah. more so based on the client and then secondarily is all right, well how do we lean into who our client is and what they look their identity to further protect them. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much how that goes. I also have noticed that Tory Lanez has been very, very active. Very. Very, very active. Putting yeah. out music, putting out videos, just doing a bunch of shit. He's, uh, yeah, didn't he just put out a project with Kodak Black or is one coming out? Um, no, he just got a song on Kodak's project. Uh-uh. I thought they had an s- album. Uh-uh, it's just a song. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. I'll double check because I thought the same thing. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I double checked it. Yeah. Because uh, Tory Lanez posted something about Kodak. Uh, he, he made a post about Kodak. Mm. But uh, if you looked at it, the post was his track listing for this Billy, whatever uh, his fucking okay. Kodak he project is. Song and he is on uh, okay. one gotcha, of the tracks. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Um, this is a good transition into some of the music that came out this week that neither one of us have listened to yet. <laughs> I listened to one. I did too. <laughs> I listened to The Future and Lil Uzi one time. Yeah. Um, I have to listen to it again. It was not, I was not in the right environment to be listening to that. Mm. First of all, quarantine. Second of all, not one tour, right? Mm. Like, there's just so many, <laughs> so many yeah. things wrong with listening to this. I do know, I'm surprised that this is not one that they didn't actually hold on to until they could actually tour. Because <laughs> Future and Lil Uzi, that's going to sell out everywhere. Yeah, that's gonna you know what I'm saying. That's gonna that's gonna be a fucking vibe. That <laughs> how did this come out before the Drake and Future album? <laughs> I think the Drake and Future album was not a Drake and Future album. Okay, I think they had some songs. That's it. I think those and Loki. I think a lot of them songs was probably just extra songs from the first mixtape they did. I think so. Yep. Because you gotta remember, both of them were uh, when when. Tussie Slide and then all of those like Drake and Future features started coming out. Mm-hmm. That was, um, uh, I feel like those were post rollouts for both of their shits. Mm. Those are like momentum carrier songs. 
right? Like, because Future put out a solo project right after that, and then Loverboy has been teased since then. We thought that wow. Loverboy might have been just him and Future's joint album for a little while. Mm. Okay. I feel like that was just momentum, momentum shit, just to keep their names out. Okay. Um, on the first listen, though, the Future and Lil Uzi shit it sounds, it sounds like Future and Lil Uzi. <laughs> Um. I yeah. Like I said, we recording this on Saturday, so I ain't really get into my normal bag. I know Goody Mob got some now. I know K Camp got some now. Black Youngster got some now. Um, Danny Lee. Danny Lee. I for sure have to check that out. Two Chains. Masego. Oh, oh, these are slow down. I listened to the Two Chains album about four times already. Oh really? Yeah. And you hated the the LeBron's album. I don't know if I hated it. I no, you hated like it. it. No, you. Sh- I'm pretty sure you shot on it, if I remember uh, correctly. Just spreading rumors. It's fake news. Fake news. Fake news. What's uh? What's the? What's your standout track on the Two Chains album? Mm-hmm. There's a song with him and Ross. I really like. Um, YRB. I, like yeah. Um, it's also a song with Kevin Gates. I think it's called Ziploc that I really fuck with. So with the Two Chains album, basically the first seven songs I don't really care for, which is wild because I'm looking at the that's where all of the features are. Yeah, exactly. and these features look like good ass fucking I features like, for I Two like Chains. Two of the seven It's the Kevin Gates and the uh, Brent Fayez and Kanye song. Okay, like the Brent Fayez and Kanye song is good, but it's not great. Okay. Um. I feel like he was putting all the singles or like on that first few seven songs. Okay. Because it's like a song where you know they're going to be playing it at HBCUs because it's basically made for them. Okay. Oh, the Money Maker joint with Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple singles. Um, the Quarantine Thick Mulatto. just feels. That song is terrible to me. Really? But I can see how situationally based it would be good. Like I can see it being an anthem for quarantine, right? Because we're about to go into the second wave. Um, but that second half, I feel like the songs got more soulful as far as the samples and production. Mm-hmm. And um, he started spitting more. Like Usually 2 chains is like funny. Like True. Intentionally and unintentionally in his raps. So I feel like that latter half got more, he was just like, Bar for bar spitting, kind of. I guess what he was supposed to be had doing on the last LeBron on that album, LeBron executive produced mm-hmm. whatever LeBron um, album. <laughs> the LeBron album. Uh, hmm. And like he had a Lamborghini on wrist song was terrible to me. Lamborghini wrist, but um, yeah. The can't go for that. The that is the way. That song is terrible. Really? Yeah, I don't. Cause like that, it. that's the song that uh, Duval always posts on the second yeah, half of his. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't I go for that. No, no, no can, can do. do. That's my shit. I yeah, fuck that's a, yeah. That's why. I, that's another song where I think like he was kind of trying to pander a little bit mm. as far as like, yeah. That second half he was spinning. I really fuck with that second half. It's good. All right, I'm gonna go check that out. Yeah. I fuck with Two Chains. Uh, I fucked with the LeBron album mm-hmm. just because I felt like it was new. It was different. Mm-hmm. Obviously, executive produced by LeBron, but it also felt like 
if that was some shit that came out when I was a young high school athlete with like college and professional aspirations, that would have one thousand percent been my soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like, so that was dope. Um, then he put out like a joint project with a bunch of people that he signed right before that, or no, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. right after that. And then before that was Pretty Girls Like Trap Music, which was that great. That was a good album. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, um, yeah. He doesn't make bad albums. He doesn't. He definitely doesn't. Right. You want to get into Songs of the Week? Yeah. All right. I'm going to play uh, my song of the week. It's called Lions, Bingles, and Bears. It's a freestyle from Wale uh, and DJ Money. Lions, bangles, and bears, none of my guys scared. Chase rumbling, any one of them guys there. Wayne Young and he hungry, I pray we patient with him. I pray he leave with some money, I pray he leave with his health. Yeah, uh, the physical and mental. The thing I like about football is that stats kill opinions. Rap shit, I lick the niggas. I ain't about to knock it. This whole summer, I was buying all the winter product. And I tried being peaceful, but my peace was getting bothered. So no doubt we got them eagles. We go Carson Wentz, Stephani. Niggas say, what's up with me? Then they say, what's up to me? They say I be lonely, but this weapon keep me company. Niggas think it's up with me. Y'all don't want no problem, bruh. Niggas say it's up with me. Well, buddy, this insomnia. Yeah. And I'm not passive, but you know I'm not gonna stop. You gotta scramble, right? You ain't got the block. Uh, I could probably get you done without a half a thought. But you probably hurt yourself. You niggas guts for rock. Yeah, Olu for Lauren, running like two minute offense. Like Kurt Warner, I'm Marshall Falk, I'm a fucking problem. You niggas playing both sides, but I am in my prime. I high step, if I pick six, it ain't 49. It's 60, nigga. See these women with us? Some gon' play with they nose like they hitting us, you know? Look, that's all I gotta say. Young for Lawrence, young Peyton, money's Jeff Saturday. Omaha, Omaha, all the bull I'm calling out. All the bills I got is blue. I be digging on my routes. I be stuck up in this condo, whole time I got a house. And these bitches get the blitzing while I'm checking bitches down. Checking on some DMs, check they page, she got a spouse, but. <laughs> mm. Clout, lions, bangles, and bears. I'm fighting demons and fears. I tighten up when it's time, and Mike Vrabel ain't here. Yeah, I hate a favor when that shit ain't sincere. Some people want you in debt if they can't put you in fear. I bring my savage out, my Jamal Adams out. Flow is undisputed with my yak and with my black and mouth. Tell Jason Whitlock he a bitch and he a cracker now. What? But that's a lot of y'all. Somebody line up the charters, doctor for Tyra Thomas. A puncture lung is a lump sum, and a lot of lawyers. We got charter to the game, it's hard to trust the owners. They had their ducks in a row already, ain't no one loyal. How about the Jag in LA? Like Jalen Ramsey, you hurt? I got these M's on my mind, like it's the thundering hurt. It's like I'm humble for real, but y'all kicked off on this wall. Yeah. <laughs> now I got the ball. Come on. Yeah.
Yeah, man. That's Wale, Lions, Bengals, and Bears freestyle off the Jasmine Sullivan sample. A couple of things on this, man. Number one, I miss when rappers put out songs of them rapping and not just the, like, you know what I'm saying? The structure of song. Like, there was no hook there. Just bars. Just bars. I miss that as being part of, like, the rollout, like, like as as part of, (laughs) yo, I got bars. That's number one. Number two, one of these days, we're going to talk about Wale and Lupe Fiasco being the best rappers of our generation. Huh. We're going to talk about that one day. That is an interesting conversation. I would like to see that versus. Um, they don't got enough tracks. <laughs> nigga, you wildin'. I'm talking about versus tracks. I mean, they like for know. the heads. I don't think they do. For the fans. It'll be like Yeah, Jeezy. for the heads, yeah. Shout out to Wale. Shout out to Wale. For Lauren. Um... This song here is from it's from one of my new favorite whites about one of my new other favorite whites. There's a lot of white favoritism going on here. Yeah, man. you know what I'm saying? Biden yeah. become president, we like white people again. Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. That's what motivated me. Even though I heard the song before he became president, I was like, I, I kind of fuck with this. Kind of fuck with this. So this song is from Jack Harlow. Mm. It's called Tyler Hero. Oh, uh, yeah, this is a banger. Here we go. This is a big Yeah. The ones that hate me the most look just like me. You tell me what that means. Make a slick comment and see what that brings. I've seen it go down, we can reenact things. Extreme like DMXing. These boys pussy and they PMSing. People in the city see the movement occurring and say, My God, I wanna be in that scene. Damn right, you wanna be in this scene. She had the video trying to be in this scene. Used to fantasize about being this scene. Bluegrass girl, but she got big dreams. Can't touch me, I got instincts. Locked in the house, but I'm plotting things. I brought a gang to the party with me. Five white boys, but they not in sync. Fuck what y'all think. Fuck everything that you say about me. My dogs like to play mad in the 2K. But one thing they don't do is play about me. My homeboy Tyler, he playing South Beach. He told me this summer he gonna fix my jumper. I told boy Wonder that we might got a thumper. I've been trying to pop, now I'm on like Shumper. Now they on my bumper. Green room chock full of all my comforts. Hotel room like heaven on earth. Got angels in my bed with some all white covers. Ace Pro Nemo, Lucci and Kiso, Sloop Clay Tufo, and I got a few more I call my brothers. I got a lot of flows and they all like butter. Ooh, you know what that means. I came home nice, but I'm going back mean. I'm about to glow trot when they know a vaccine. Motherfuckers act lost, but they know exactly what's going on. Made a mill and I don't know what to blow it on. I tell a critic, shut up like my show is on. Give a t-shirt to her, said throw it on. She wanted many high school classmates, I'm growing on. My peers ain't popping, they don't know what's going wrong. Y'all well-dressed, but you ain't got soul, and you just can't sew it on. I'm trying to tell y'all boys, I got a few songs I can sell y'all boys. I tried it back then, it was hell nah, boy. Now I'm in a box like a Kellogg's toy. The ones that hate me the most look just like me. You tell me what that means. Make a slick comment and see what that brings. I've seen it go down, we can reenact things. Extreme like DMXing. These boys pussy and they PMSing. People in the city see the movement occurring and say, my God, I want to be in that scene. Damn right you want to be in this scene. She had the video trying to be in this scene. Used to fantasize about being this scene. Bluegrass girl, but she got big dreams. Can't touch me, I got instincts. Locked in the house, but I'm plotting things. I brought a gang to the party with me. Five white boys, but they not in sync. No, they not. 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 No, they not.
Shout out to Jack Carlo. Shout out to Wale. Yeah. Whale. Florent. I want Ralph. to see them on a the song together. I feel like they could spit. Wale and Jack. Mm-hmm. They have a nice hook. Be some bars on there. I can see that. You know what they need to do? They need to give us access to all of the artists signed to the big labels and let us A&R their project. That's all they need to do. W- <laughs> they would never do that. <laughs> they would never do it, but if they did, do you that know would how much be like, money we would make? That would be a cool-ass like raffle or prize. Like You get to EP like a, a mixtape for artists. Nah. Yeah, that would be like... Yeah, you get one fiscal year of rollouts. To manage. Oh, nah, this brother wild. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you can pick an artist or two, and you like pick the features. Like you get, they give you five songs, you get a, 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 a nah, that, that piff. Cool. <laughs> nah, that would be cool as fuck. That would be cool as fuck. Yeah. I'm putting two chains of future on a lot of songs together, though. <laughs> so you just gonna have like a hood trap. Uh, well, five think about it. EP. Think about it. It's gonna be some singing. It's gonna mm-hmm. be some comedy. It's gonna be some songs for girls. It's gonna be some songs for drug dealing. Damn, nigga, it's you only be got a, five songs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be so comprehensive. It's gonna be perfect. Mine is gonna be like I'm gonna try to re bring back the um, the '90s where like rappers would just hop on R and B songs, not having the R and B artists just sing the hook, but like yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. an R and B song featuring the rappers. Gotcha. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I would try to do something like that. Wale would definitely be on there. Ty would definitely be on there. As the singer or the rapper, though? Don't matter. Might switch it up. Have a nigga sing. Versatility. Chris Brown might be rapping. You know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. Have Young Thug singing Chris Brown rapping? <laughs> exactly. I like it. I like it a lot. <clears throat> um. All right, man. I think that's pretty much it. Is there anything else to get to? Uh, nah, man. Shout out to the YouTube clip page that will be coming soon. Shout out to the over the counter episodes. <laughs> Shout out to all our listeners. Shout out to our soon to be viewers. Um, you already know what it is. It's the self medicated podcast. I am your host, the Wayfair Quinn Quarantino, aka the Banter Boss, aka Jon Snow, because I know absolutely nothing. You know nothing, Jon Snow. And these are facts. Captain of the Igloo, young, popular, and friendly, aka the Box Hunter. A.K.A. One Pop Poppy, A.K.A. The Bottom Feeder. Uh, It's the Self-Medicated Podcast, and we out.